Welcome to Psych for Psychology, a Nystrom & Associates podcast. Our host, Brett Cushing, is a licensed marriage and family therapist at Nystrom. Each week, he talks about all things mental health and therapy with guests, and you get a chance to dive into specific psychology topics that help promote personal development and wellness. And now, your host, Brett. Hello and welcome to another edition of Psych for Psychology. I'm Brett Cushing and I have Krista Overson here with me. We are really happy to be here and it's kind of ironic that, hey, we're happy to be here because we're talking about suicide. And yes. And yet we can be happy to talk about it because it is a real problem. It's mm-hmm. something um, that has, I believe, increased uh, during COVID and it is, it's very prevalent. So uh, we're happy to talk about it so that people can come away with a sense of understanding and equipping of what do I do for myself? What do I do for a loved one, et cetera? So we're glad you're joining us. Yes. And um, I know I've mentioned this on other podcasts that have had a serious topic. Um, If there is levity or if, you know, if there's any joking around, it's, it's not um, intended in any way to be that we're taking the subject lightly. It's more just kind of trying to bring some, you know, lightheartedness to a really tricky topic. And I think suicide is one of those topics that is just hard to talk about in general. And so I think I'm really glad we're talking about it too. Um, and you said it was a prevalent thing. It's actually one of the leading causes of death in our country. Um, I found a recent statistic in 2021, 48,000 people died by suicide. In our country alone. Correct. Yeah, because it is, it's not particular just to do, I'm sorry, to the United States. This is global. It's, it's a real problem. Yep, it is. Yeah. And, um, I know a lot of listeners and myself even have been personally impacted by a death by suicide. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had some relatives that have died by suicide. Hmm. It's very unfortunate. Um, so yeah, I think it's good to talk about this and just put it on people's awareness. One thing that I found um, when I was kind of preparing to do this episode is I I thought to myself, I wonder if people realize that suicide is sort of a side effect of untreated depression. Um, And I wanted to just go into that a little bit. Even having suicidal thoughts, I'm not sure if everyone knows, um, is a symptom of depression. I think that's really quite relevant because depression, as I understand it, is the number one reason why people come to therapy in the first place. Correct. Depression and then anxiety, I think, is a close second. Yep. Sometimes those two are hand in hand with each other, too. So, Very true. Uh, and I do think everybody can relate. They've, they've known somebody who has died by suicide, mm-hmm. or they know somebody who, who's depressed, or they've been depressed themselves. So yep. we're not very far removed from this topic. It it touches all of us. And I just realized something too, we were talking about this prior is uh, I said people who die by suicide, the the terminology always used to be someone who committed suicide. And uh, so there's this negative connotation uh, around suicide that you've talked about. And when we say somebody's committed that, well, we think of a lot of times somebody who's committed a crime. So yeah. really, uh, it, it's really moved in our vocabulary. And we talk about it that somebody has not committed 
suicide, they've died by suicide. It just has less yep. of a negative judgment and pejorative to it. So I yeah. uh, just wanted to say that at the outset. And yeah. do you want to jump in, talk a little bit about depression and, and yes. suicide? Go ahead. Definitely. So I think it's just a good opportunity to kind of um, review a couple things. I know that uh, September is Suicide Prevention Month. Um, so I think it's really good to go over just what are the symptoms of depression? So a major depressive episode is what kind of the fancy term for depression. Um, and that is over a two week period that you have may have, um, a handful to all of the following symptoms. So we're talking about a change in your sleep from what you're used to. That could be sleeping too much or not sleeping enough, a change in appetite from what you're used to. So maybe you're eating more or you're not eating as much. Now this, all of these represent a change in what's normal for you, right? right. Um, because it's kind of hard to gauge what's normal for everybody, right? So we have sleep, appetite. We have things like all of a sudden you don't have the motivation that you're used to having. Um, you might feel like, gosh, the things that I enjoy doing are just not as enjoyable to me anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be fun for me to do this, this, and this. And now I just like, none of that really appeals to me. I'm kind of just feeling like laying around and mm -hmm. we all have that sometimes, right? Where we just are tired. We need some recharge. The blahs. The blahs, exactly. Mm -hmm. But this would be again in a two week span where it's almost every day you're experiencing these things. Mm -hmm. Um, another one, which is, which is tricky is you might kind of have the sense like you're a failure, like, mm -hmm. like you're letting yourself or, or others down and you might feel like, gosh, I'm a burden. And that's one of, I think that's something to remember and that we'll come back to is this thing about being a burden to other people. So, um, have I left any out that you can think of? I think you talked about, I'd love to say anhedonia, uh, yeah, which is the fancy that, term, yeah, yep. fancy term, which just means loss of pleasure that yeah. nothing really brings yep. pleasure and feelings of worthlessness too. Right. Uh, yes. thoughts that, oh, what's the difference? Nobody would notice if I wasn't here. There you go. Uh, that the guilt, the shame yeah. that is, is very intrusive. And when we talk about these symptoms, we're talking about, Symptoms that really interfere with our ability to live our life on a typical basis, or Good maybe call. we're we're living our lives uh, and we're getting through, but that's just that we are barely getting, getting through. through. It's taking everything within yep. us just to get through. So yep. these symptoms that Krista is mentioning are symptoms that are really interfering mm -hmm. with our lifestyle. Exactly. No, I'm really glad you pointed that out. Um, I think the other, so then, so we have all of those symptoms. It's, it's in a two week or more period of time where you're really almost every day you're experiencing a handful to all of these symptoms, which sounds terrible. Mm. Um, and then, you know, kind of the final one and, and relevant to suicide is you might have thoughts like maybe I would be better off if I wasn't here anymore. Mm -hmm. So that would be considered suicidal, a suicidal thought. And there's a lot of different kinds of suicidal thoughts, right? Mm. There's suicidal thoughts like, gosh, it would just be easier if I could go to sleep and never wake up. Like I hear people say that, but they don't have a plan, right? They don't have right. like, and here's how I'm going to go about it. So there's, again, varying degrees of suicidal thinking, suicidal thoughts, right? Absolutely. And to be a little more clear on that, yep. what we do is we distinguish between active mm -hmm. versus passive suicidal thoughts. We call it suicidal ideation, um, mm -hmm. suicidal thoughts. Because we okay. have to have our own fancy term. For right. Things. Yeah. So we can <laughs> right. you know, feel smart. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so 
nonetheless, what's the difference between active versus passive? Mm -hmm. And active is basically when you have a plan. And the more mm -hmm. specific the plan, the more likely somebody is to be following up with actually attempting suicide. Right, right. And so they have a specific plan. I'm going to drive my car off the cliff. I'm mm -hmm. going to do this. I'm going to do this other behavior. And it's very specific, planned out, premeditated. That's active. Passive suicidal thoughts are the ideas, like just sort of general, like you were just saying. Yeah. I would be better off dead. The world would be better off dead. Mm -hmm. My family would be better if I was dead. And it's, right. it's very generalized. But yeah. notice, like you said, the yeah. that sense of being a burden to yes. others fuels that. So, exactly. yeah, if I wasn't around, nobody would notice. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be a burden anymore. So yeah. Yeah. it's important when we're interacting with people. Yeah. Not, and I'm not talking. Us. I'm talking people that are listening who are asking, well, what do I do if, if you know, uh, somebody I, I concerned about, uh, they might have this urge for suicide. Uh, how do I know to talk and differentiate? So that, that's an important distinction right there. Active versus passive. Now, yep. be, before we go any further, I, I don't want to forget, passive doesn't mean that somebody's not serious either. Good point. Yeah. And so what we what we learn is that people who have passive suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts, yep. there's a 70% chance they're going to end up in the hospital someday from, wow. from an attempt. Yeah. And so we take the passive just as serious because studies show that the passive thoughts of just, yeah, I'd be better off, the world would be better off without me. 70% of the time, people who have that end up in the hospital. The other reason we take this very seriously is because when people are having even passive suicidal thoughts, what happens when our emotions go up? If I get at like an 8, 9, 10 out of 10 with my emotions. Of intensity of emotions, yes. Yeah. Now, the blood in my brain, like I'm banging on my big bulbous <laughs> forehead here. Yeah. The blood right there, that's that's the reasoning part of our brain. Mm. The blood is leaving there wow. when we are at an 8, 9, 10 out of 10. So it's going to my extremities. So I'm ready for fight or flight. But that means we don't think very reasonably or rationally when wow. we're in this high level of emotional intensity. Oh. So if I'm already having suicidal thoughts, whether it be passive or active, I am very vulnerable to doing something impulsively mm -hmm. in the heat of the moment. And that's what I find. I used to be a police chaplain for a couple different police departments in prior life and would notice oftentimes, all too often, being on the scene when someone has died by suicide, that there was a struggle and there was evidence that the person really did not want to die. Oh my and so it was likely this impulsivity due to intensified emotion in that moment. Wow. I'm so glad you pointed that out because I think that visual when you were kind of, you know, knocking on your forehead, yeah. I was picturing, you know, the brain and up in the front of our brain is, is such a big part of our decision making, right? Mm -hmm. And our ability to not act on impulse, right? Right. So if the blood's leaving there, it's like... Don't make any decisions. Don't make any big decisions. And suicide is one of the biggest irreversible decisions that you could ever make, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that is a really, really good point. Um, I wanted to point out one more thing or kind of I thought 
what maybe it would be helpful to say like what's a suicide attempt so it may seem like pretty self-explanatory but i think sometimes people confuse you know so i'm having suicidal thoughts i might have a, a plan but what is an actually a suicide attempt so having a th- having the thoughts and a plan that you never act on i wouldn't call that a, a suicide attempt would you no right right so um i've heard it called that though like if someone is coming close or, you know, um, has a plan, they'll say, oh, I had a suicide attempt or so-and-so attempted suicide, mm-hmm. right? So it's it, it's kind of like the person gets all the way to the point where they act yeah. and they, for whatever reason, they survive the attempt. And so thank goodness, right, when someone mm-hmm. survives. Um, but I just wanted to throw that out there as kind of another term. So Right, yeah, we do get these mixed up. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. We, we are going to interact with this in our lives directly right. or indirectly. So right. it's good to be very clear about this. So let's go back to what do we do, right? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people are probably thinking, um, I think we can even take it a step back because I'm guessing a lot of people are thinking, okay, so I know so-and-so in my life, they're thinking of a loved one or friend or whoever. I know they have a depression. You know, they've mm-hmm. shared that they struggle with depression, but they've never said anything about having suicidal thoughts. Right. So I, I better not bring it up. Exactly. I'm, that's exactly, you knew exactly <laughs> where I was going, Brett. So I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I think it's okay to ask. It's okay to ask people because sometimes that's exactly the thing that they're needing is not that it's our responsibility to be asking everyone in our lives. Like, are right. you thinking it's of really good yourself? distinction? Right. Yes. It's because, but it's, I think it's one of those things that people are like, if I say anything, it's going to plant the seed in their head or they're going to think I'm weird or they're going to be like, Whoa, where'd you get that idea? But it's so common. You guys, that people think about suicide when they have depression, not everyone does. Mm-hmm. And some people do, but they just know, like I would never follow through with it, but it is a passing thought I've had. Right. So I think it's okay to just, come out and say like, Hey, have you ever, have you ever thought about hurting yourself or have you ever thought about, you know, dying? (laughs) Right. Have you ever thought about suicide? And I think we're afraid and and it's understandable because it's not our wheelhouse. We don't deal with this every day. And so Mm -hmm. it's awkward and it's foreign. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing, a little tangent, but I think highly relevant. Yeah. Uh, I took a class in grad school by Sandra Wilson, okay. Counseling the Dysfunctional Family. Okay. And it was the most practical class. <laughs> and she it. answered the question, what does it mean to be a dysfunctional family? And Ooh. we assumed we're all on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's dysfunctional. <laughs> and so how do we uh, define it? How do we distinguish it? And so if I'm a dysfunctional person or family, mm-hmm. a company, Yep. It's all based on this. The more dysfunctional we are, it depends on how we deal with truth. So especially when truth is hard or embarrassing or where there's a sense of shame. and and, Yeah, it's really uncomfortable. The more dysfunctional we are, when truth is hard and difficult, we see truth as the enemy. Mm. So we avoid it. We back away from it. We work on appearance management. And, oh, everything's fine here. Yeah. And I think when, when people are dealing with urges for suicide and they're depressed, we become very dysfunctional. Yes. Because that that's the truth. They're hurting, but we feel uncomfortable. This is awkward. We don't and, know what to uh, do. Yeah, let's just, we laugh and yeah. we try to make them feel happy, but we dance around the elephant in the room. Yep. And so we're, we're not embracing truth. Exactly. And that's what we need to do is because yep. the healthier person... We'll see truth as the friend, move towards it, 
talk about it. Yep. And that's what you're encouraging people to do. And this yes. is why. I'm so glad you said that because, and it was a very relevant side trail, right? Because mm -hmm. I think what's familiar to a lot of us growing up in our families is what you're describing. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us, um, you know, I guess I can speak for myself, grew up in a family where it's like there were certain topics that were okay to talk about and certain ones that you just did not go there. Right. <laughs> right. And so um, I would imagine for a lot of people that suicide is one of them that right. you don't talk about. And it's kind of like maybe the elephant in the room or even mental illness, right? Like oh, yeah. it may not even be suicide. It might be depression. Like, oh gosh, mom's depressed. Like we're just all going to make, make it seem like everything's fine on the outside. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So then we grow up, we get out in the world and we're just doing the same things we've always done until mm -hmm. we find out there's another way, which is to ask, to just throw it out there. And I always tell people, you can, you don't have to, you can be clumsy about it. You don't even have to have the best thing to say, but if you lead with vulnerability and say, gosh, I'm just feeling worried about you. And mm -hmm. I found myself wondering, like, have you ever thought about hurting yourself or, you know, killing yourself? And just like, once it's out there, it's like, it comes from a place of, I care about you. And I, sometimes I'll even say like, I might be way off base. Like, right. You know, this could be me just, I might just be worrying or, or right. But it's yeah. okay. I so, need to ask. And, and yes. that's okay. And, yes. and without apologizing, and it can be awkward. Yep. I love that you said that lead with vulnerability. Right. And you can say, I've even had urges, sure. you know, for that. Because a lot of people yeah. have urges for yes. that. I mean, there was a dark period in my life where yep. it crossed my mind. Yep. And yep. so it's okay to have some self-disclosure. Like you said, it yep. normalizes this. Yep. And that can help people not feel so alone. And so leading with vulnerability like hey i feel uncomfortable asking yeah. this you know i went through it a little bit you know right. it, it, can i add like what Please. to follow up with next because yes. i i think this is so crucial too is not only lead with the vulnerability mm -hmm. uh lead with the validation nice like how i did that like two v's, <laughs> i was like right? that's brilliant yeah. yeah well if there's a third step we got to come up with another okay, v, v but yeah I, we talk a lot about leading with validation here mm -hmm. and I, I think people are afraid to lead with validation around the topic of suicide because when we validate someone's urges, behaviors, desires, thoughts, we feel like we're approving of it. Or giving permission. And right? giving permission. Yeah. And we're not necessarily doing that. Right. What we're doing is to give validation and say, you know what? Yeah, it makes sense that you just want to end everything. Mm -hmm. And we can say that because it does make sense mm -hmm. for what people are going through. When we're dealing with depression, mm -hmm. our brains aren't functioning the way that they would be normally. There's yep. chemicals that are imbalanced in the brain and, yes. and we just we're not thinking as clearly. And, right. and sometimes people are dealing with chronic pain and they just oh need goodness. a break. They, and, and people are looking for an out. Mm -hmm. They're looking for an end to the emotional, physical, relational pain. Yep. And that makes sense that they want it to end. End, exactly. So leading with validation, actually, not only are we moving towards normalizing with vulnerability, but we're, it, it brings people's emotional level down a little bit. Right. And, and so they're able to think a little more rationally. Yep. when their emotional intensity goes down. And that's what validation is doing. We're not giving permission or proving it. We're, we're validating. Yeah, it, it makes sense because yes, it does. It does. No, that's, that's a great point too. So we have 
validation or lead with vulnerability and then lead with validation. And I'm guessing there's some listeners kind of saying like, okay, Kristen, Brett, like that's all fine and good. But what if the person says, yeah, I am thinking about suicide. (laughs) Like what do I do then? Well, (laughs) yeah, well, we're, we're out of time and sorry. Thanks for joining us today. We'll catch you on the next one. Yeah. (laughs) No, um, I think the, the biggest piece of advice that I would love for everyone to take away today is, is a very simple phrase that I can't take credit for, but was taught to me get them to the professionals. Mm-hmm. So you are in no way expected to know how to fix it. You're not expected to know what the next steps are in terms of their overall mental health treatment. Your job is to get them to a professional helper. And that could be the emergency room, you know, depending on how, what this other person says, that could be calling 911 or calling 988, the crisis caller text line, right? Right. That could be just having a conversation, you know, you can keep talking with them. Remember, if they're talking about suicide with you, um, uh, odds are you're in a room, you're sitting in a safe place, like you've got your eyes on them. They're not going to kill themselves right now in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. So you have them kind of in the best place possible because the biggest thing is getting them to talk, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I always say get them to the professionals. Instead of worrying about how am I going to help this person It's like, do they have a therapist? Do they, you know, kind of asking them about their support system? But a lot of it's going to be listening, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And don't jump into fix-it mode, (laughs) right? Right. And you said something earlier about that without even realizing. I thought it was really profound. It's not your responsibility. Yes. That's so crucial. This is still... The person that's struggling with these suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. this is still their responsibility. We don't have to take that on ourselves Correct. and say, oh, I have to save this person. Now, if I don't, they're going to follow through on this. Mm-hmm. And now we're not able to think clearly anymore either yep. because we're assuming all this responsibility and all this stress and anxiety. And yep. just a good point of clarification that yep. it's not your responsibility if you're dealing with that. What else can we do to help people? I think that um, in addition to getting them to the professionals, I think helping them to talk about it more. And and again, don't be afraid to ask questions because, you know, you might be having just a a conversation like, okay, have you ever thought about hurting yourself? And yeah, it's crossed my mind. I mean, you can ask things like, well, have you ever thought about how you would do it? Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, I think people might be afraid to ask that because it's like, yeah, it sounds like them? I'm encouraging them. Right, a little. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I think people, I even know I've supervised some therapists um, who are new and I think even newer therapists get really a little bit nervous mm-hmm. about this conversation. Right. So I just want to normalize that for people too, is like, you're not expected to be a armchair psychologist here. Like it's right. just more asking the question and knowing that there's help for that person and that you are not the person that's going to fix it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so I guess I'm trying to normalize the conversation without like you're saying, Brett, without having it be like, and now you have to do something about it. Right. 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 And I do want to say, um, I I guess this piece is more for people who have either who are a survivor of suicide or, you know, if if someone does, you know, follow through and die by suicide, it is no one's fault. It is not the friend's fault, the family's fault. I just want to say that because I don't think we say that enough. I think Mm -hmm. people um, really take on the responsibility, especially like if they, you know, miss a call from a loved one Mm -hmm. and then the person ends up dying by suicide. And it's like, they will never fully recover from that, right? Like Mm, from that tragedy. So I just wanted to throw that out there too and say, 
if someone does follow through, even if you had the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. I want to give that caveat because if you're, you could do the conversation perfect. And then if somebody still dies by suicide, it's not your fault. I think that's crucial for us because in in a general sense, when tragedy strikes uh, on an individual level or on a more of a macro level, I'm thinking of uh, when we're recording this is we have uh, the wildfires have just gone through Maui. And so when even a natural disaster strikes, as a culture, we become very anxious. Mm -hmm. And when there's that type of crisis, we look to blame. Mm -hmm. Again, that's kind of like that dysfunctional person and family. Let's assign blame. It'll make us feel better. Yeah, and it does. Mm -hmm. It does make us feel a little bit better because something happened out of our control and blame sort sort of gives us this illusion Mm -hmm. of control that, okay, if I can blame you, Krista, for this, or if I can blame myself, now it seems to make sense a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. I've ascribed some responsibility or culpability. And I'm so glad you brought that up because people will struggle with this for the rest of their life. And there's no need to because it's not your fault. It's not your fault. If someone has decided that they are going to take their own life, there is nothing anyone else can do. So again, I just need to say that really clearly because yes, we have crisis lines. Yes, we have therapists. Yes, we have all these resources, but I want people to really get this. If there's, if someone is determined and has decided like there is not going to be someone you can ultimately point the finger at. Right. So it's on them and it's tragic, but it is, it's part of suicide, right? It is. It is part. And I think that we are talking about it is Mm -hmm. a pretty healthy thing based Mm -hmm. on what I was saying earlier about dysfunctional versus healthy and how we handle truth. Yep. Yep. And I've seen it uh, when I was a pastor. You you have people, you do funerals for people who have died by suicide. And there is this sense of awkwardness. Yes. And it's kind of going back to that sense of validation. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. People can be hurting so terribly. Yep. And I, what I tell my clients is that solution, or I'm sorry, uh, suicide isn't necessarily their problem. That's their solution yeah. to their problem. And, yeah. and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we do, too, is mm-hmm. we work with people in our office who have high urges for suicide. Yes. And they may have had multiple failed attempts mm-hmm. in the past. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we ask them, do you have any lethal means available to you in your right. home? And yes. people say, well, no, I don't, I don't have any guns. Well, okay. <laughs> sure, but that's great. not the end of the story, right? <laughs> right, yeah. There's lots of other lethal means, you know, like mm-hmm. medications. Let's try to get your medication to be maybe delivered once a week mm-hmm. to you, something mm-hmm. like that. Are there knives? Let's get rid of all the knives. Let's use plastic yeah. knives. Yeah. And people say, well, that sounds kind of intense and extreme. And I say, well, an intense and extreme urge can be. Well, it requires an intense, extreme Great. kind of intervention. Great point. So, medications, uh, we have uh, lethal means by guns. It could be. Uh, ropes and belts and things like that. Um, yep. That and, and the the point is, we're not trying to create a bubble so that nobody can ever harm themselves. Right. People still can, right. but what we're trying to do is realize, you know what? They could in, in a 
time in their life when they're at an 8, 9, 10 out of 10, mm -hmm. they're vulnerable. Very vulnerable. And so if we create some extra steps for them, then that gives time for that emotional intensity to maybe come down. Exactly. So that's what we're trying to do to sort of build a plan. And then we also try to have people be aware and have available to them in writing. Who are three people I can call? Yes. And what can I do? So, and we have them have this very prominent on display for them so that they can see it on the refrigerator, yes, on their mirror. Because when we're in that high emotion, eight, nine, 10 out of 10, I don't think very clearly, but yep. I see this and yep. I think, oh, I can call this person. I can call this person. But we also help them identify what can you do to bring down that emotional intensity for that moment. Mm -hmm. So we tell people, go grab some ice, put, you know, hold on to it. Put it on the back of your neck. Um, mm -hmm. Go take a walk. Take a yes. brisk walk. Uh, even if it's freezing outside, great time to do it. Yep. And other things they can do is they can listen to music they really like, go yep. pet their, their animal or something nice. like yes. that. Uh, so we're coming up with things that help bring down that emotional intensity yep. because of the vulnerability that goes with that. Yep, exactly. I think, too, I don't know if this is, you, you might know better than I would, but I was going to say, what about kind of reminding them of their reasons to live? Yeah. Is that helpful at all? I mean, yeah. I don't know if in the moment of crisis, if it is or not. <laughs> you know what I well, mean? Well, yeah. I mean, and that's the state that the moment of crisis. Yeah. We do. We try to reason with people. Yeah. And I think like, this is an important point. Like, maybe this isn't the time. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's not the time to try to reason. And a lot of people do. Well, you don't really want to do that. Exactly. You don't really mean you, that. You have a great life. Yeah. So yeah. these are like, maybe this is like, you know, phrases not to say. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we could do that. Right? Yeah. Like right. Do's and don'ts if you're, if you're worried someone's suicidal. Right. Right. And notice when we say things like that, first of all, they're in high emotion. And yep. I don't know, I, any one of us, when I'm in high emotion, can't talk to me. Yeah, I totally. can't absorb and comprehend what you're saying. And that's what we do yeah. is we, we're, we're trying to reason with someone that's not at a place where they can understand and comprehend that. Right. And so then we work on kind of, all right, behaviorally, here's what you can do. Let's go grab some ice. Nice. Okay. Let's, let's just focus on the ice. Let's not focus on anything else. Let's just grab that ice, put it on the back of your neck. Let's do some deep breathing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's listen to some music, anything to distract them. I play catch in my office sometimes mm -hmm. with people, Nice. anything to distract them and engage their Other, senses. There you go. Other parts of the brain. Right. 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 Yeah. No, so I love that. That's one thing. Uh, and notice when, when we're leading with the, the rational, mm -hmm. when they're unable to absorb that, that's yeah. highly invalidating for people. Okay. I'm glad you're pointing that out. Cause I think like you said a minute ago, the big urge that a lot of us probably have is to reason it out. Right. Like, mm -hmm. well, think about it this way. You have a great life. Right. Like mm -hmm. you have so much to live for. I mean, so again, those things might be true, but at that moment, not helpful, not helpful at all. Not we, the right we, part of the brain. <laughs> the, the, the first thing that people are vulnerable to in, in times like that is the high intensity of the emotion. Yes. And so yes. that's you what we're doing. Just got to bring that down, bring it down. Yep. bring it down. And then, then when that, and you can tell people can sort of, respond better. Mm -hmm. I love what you said. What are reasons you'd want to live? Mm -hmm. And what well, might those be? Right. And this is like you said, once the emotion has come down, correct? Yes. yes. Thanks I just for want, stressing. No, no, that's good. I just yeah. want people to kind of get a sense of timeline, right? Because I'm putting myself in the shoes of, you know, the, the listener and kind of like, okay, 
okay, what am I supposed to do here? Right. So it's so, cause I know we've kind of touched on a lot of different aspects, but it's, I think it is lead with vulnerability in asking the question, mm-hmm. say like, this could come out really clumsy. I don't know if I'm way off base here, but you know, I was listening to this podcast about suicide and I was wondering if you've ever thought about it. Right. You can mm-hmm. even blame me and Brett and be like, I heard this podcast. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then from there lead with validation, right? Just kind of listen, be like, okay, that I, I, I can totally understand why you would feel hopeless, right? Phrases like it makes sense why you would feel that way instead of not, and don't get into the like, well, here's why things are so great. Or like, here's why you shouldn't be thinking that way. So avoid those, right? Don't try to change their mind right there. Right. Exactly. Which is counterintuitive because the last thing we want to do is go along with what someone's saying about possibly hurting or killing themselves. Right. But just wait it out and let kind of see is the emotion coming down. Right. And maybe they're not that emotional in that moment, but either way. Well, that, <laughs> that also helps us yeah. in our emotional intensity. Exactly. I'm bringing them down. And I'm saying, let's do some deep breathing together (laughs) because that helps my emotional intensity to come down so I can stay calm because one of the great ways to help people in in times of high emotion for them is just to have a non-anxious presence yourself. So true. And it just calm. It's kind of like, you know, when you pet a dog, Mm -hmm. it has this calming effect. And when we are around people that are high emotion, Mm -hmm. that affects us. Yep. Same when someone has a nice, calm demeanor, their voice is calm, yep. and they're maybe doing their own deep breathing to stay calm. It has an effect yep. on other people. Exactly. Exactly. So lead with vulnerability. Yep. Validation. Also, validation, and then focus on the emotion. Mm-hmm. Try to help them get their emotional intensity lowered. Right. And if their emotional inten- intensity is already low, like they're just kind of having this conversation with you. Um, ask about their support system, right? Mm -hmm. Get them to the professionals if they don't have any. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether that be encouraging them to seek therapy, talk to their doctor, get a referral, you know, or again, if it's seeming like it's really on their mind right here, right now, they're going to act on it. Always feel free to call 911 and call or text 988, the crisis number. Because again, even if it's not, even if you're wrong and you didn't need to, like, it's better to err on the side of safety <laughs> right? in, in contacting um, emergency medical services if you're really not sure and you're like, oh my gosh, like this person's saying they have this and this and this at home. They have a gun. They have pills. They have right. whatever. It's like, go and with your gut. People will get upset with you too. They will. Yep. People will yep. get angry with you. I, and it might be that you're talking over the phone too. Mm-hmm. True. And True. the person isn't responding mm-hmm. and they're not going to call 911 or 988. Yep. Yep. What do you do? You can actually still call 911 and request, we, we call it a wellness check yep. to have the police come over to the person's right. house to check on them. And there you go. Uh, I've worked with many police officers. They, they know what they're going into. They know the vulnerability of people in times like this for a wellness check. Yep. They know and they're trained. Does this person need to go to the hospital? Uh, can we leave them by themselves? And so... That's something very practical. You just ask for a wellness check uh, for this person at this address, and you just relay everything you know. And the person who you care about could get really angry at you. They could. Very angry at you. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. 
we can validate their anger, yes, right? right? Okay. Right. And we we can also validate that, hey, I'm put in a really difficult position mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm doing the very best I can. And yep. you have no reason to have to apologize for something like yep. that, even if somebody's really angry. Mm-hmm. Just expect that they will. And might yep. take quite a while for them to come around. And, and I've had that where people have been super angry with me. Mm-hmm. And then they say, maybe a year or two later, Thank you. Exactly. Later, they'll come back around and kind of be like, you know, that really that I saved needed me. That. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, other other takeaways as we're kind of wrapping up, I think just remembering that um, if you do know someone who has died by suicide, um, or if someone you love does die by suicide, that you cannot take responsibility for that. Um, a lot of people do. It's really mm-hmm. hard. Uh, it's one of the hardest things in life, but. It's not your fault, and you can't take that on and have that be a burden on your shoulders. And one more resource for people. There's 911. You can call 988-CRISIS-LINE. And then there's a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. And, again, that's 1-800-273-8255. Uh, 1-800-273-8255. That's 24 hours a day. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. It's been a good one. Um, We will be back again to talk more about mental health, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you, as always, for listening, and please be sure to leave us a review. While this podcast can't be a replacement for therapy, we hope you enjoyed our discussion today and join us again next time. Nice German Associates is always available to those who are struggling. If you find yourself in need of support and help, please check us out at nystromcounseling.com.